Hey friends, Andy Jenkins with the Warrior Hope Podcast brought to you by Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture. Today, we are in episode number eight of season three of the Warrior Hope Podcast, and I want to discuss with you the topic of moral injury. Now, this one is often mislabeled, misdiagnosed as post-traumatic stress disorder. It is very different. Uh, Now, the similarity is, if, if I broke my right arm, think about that as PTSD. If I broke my left arm, think about that as moral injury. They're similar in that they're both arms, but goodness, if I broke the right arm, I would need to put a cast and treat the right arm, not the left arm. If I broke the left arm, I would need to treat the left arm, not the right arm. I could break both of them at the same time. I could break this one, but not that one, that one, but not this one. They're different, but they look, act, feel very similar. Uh, We're going to get to what is the difference today, and in the next week, I'm going to talk to you more specifically about a tool that we have, a documentary that is related to this. Perhaps you've already seen that documentary. Uh, Let me set up the conversation about moral injury like this. Uh, There's a man, Stephen Crutchfield. He was an Iraq war veteran, is an Iraq war veteran. We interviewed him for the Invisible Scars documentary. He actually went in to get a diagnosis for post-traumatic stress disorder, and they would not diagnose him. Now, our initial opinion was, what, what, what do you mean? Now, now listen to what he says, and you may think that as well, um, but when you start noticing some of the words he says, like, I felt like I needed to shower off. I felt like I needed to brush my teeth. I felt like I needed to just cleanse myself. You start realizing he's not in that moment responding to external stuff around him. Now, now he probably dealt with some external stuff. But it's, it's something that's internal. Like He's taking on something as his identity. And that's really what moral injury does. L- listen to what he says, and then we'll make a couple more observations about this moral injury thing. And you live and you breathe it. It's in your clothes. It's in your body. I've come back off patrol before and tried to brush my teeth or whatever. Actually took a one-inch shower off get some of the stuff, just get it away. I smoked more cigarettes than I ever thought about, and good graces, that didn't even cover it up. <laughs> and uh, you just want to get away from it. Uh, but anyways, make a long story, I'm the one that's changed. It changed me. It changed me. Give me a very different perspective on stuff because I saw some really ugly, ugly things. I will dis- have discussed it with regular folks, uh, very s- sensitive with in other words, I sensitize what I said because I've discovered I've got to watch what I say because you've got to watch what you put in somebody's mind because they may not get it out. pseudo guilt stuff or whatever they call it, it's real. It, and it'll get you sometimes before you feel like you're nothing and you just want to be somewhere else. Uh, did you catch some of what he said there? Uh, pseudo guilt. He said it, it was in my mind. I, I felt different. Uh, I felt like I was nothing. And, and th- then he he kept somehow figuring out if, if there was a way to make it right. And notice what Sergeant Major Brian says. Very similar. No matter how much you prepared him, 
You don't prepare them to see bodies lying around. You don't prepare them to see folks blown up. And to say how a person will react to something like that, you really can't until you're actually in that situation. And I think no matter how much training you do, no matter how much preparation you do, you just don't know. And by the same token, there's no remedy. Okay, let's let's continue putting the pieces together here. Let, let me go back and let's listen to more of what Stephen Crutchfield said. I know back in the past, I've said stuff to my ex-wife. I've done stuff where I may have hollered at the kids or little stuff that maybe shouldn't make a hell of beans. But in my mind, it did because I would think, what would Sergeant Spicer have done with this opportunity? What would Sergeant Crockett, what would he have done with this? Or Sergeant Tanner? Okay, notice what's going on here. He's, he's referring to others in this. What what would the sergeants do? How would they respond? He's he's talking about now uh, his reaction. He's he's again not talking about something out there and taking cover. I'm responding to a threat. There's bullets going around. There's mortar fire. He, he certainly experienced those things uh, in his time of service, I'm sure. But right here, he's dealing with issues of morality and identity. He's asking the question. Am I okay? Something has shifted about his definition of what it means to be human. Uh, let me show you another uh, clip here. This is Washington Booker III. He was a Marine sniper in the Vietnam era and the Vietnam War. Uh, we've referenced him before. Notice when you go to you go to boot camp and you go to infantry training school, they constantly drill into you that your job is to close with and kill the enemy. But killing is not a, uh, I, I don't know, they turn it into something and make it acceptable to you. You know, they run you till you almost fall out and then you just, you're saying kill, kill, kill. When you come out on the other end, and and you you've had people running next to you, you know, to get hit. And you running and you watch them out of the corner of your eye as they fall forward and they dead before they hit the ground. And these are people that you you sat around in the foxhole with that you sang with, and, you know, it ain't. There's nothing uh, glorious. All that other stuff, none of that stuff matters anymore. Okay, so right there, Washington Booker is saying uh, things that were previously unacceptable are now acceptable. There's been this internal shift. The moral compass has changed. It's oriented into a new direction. Um, these feelings are more than just being triggered by an external thing. It's more than just, hey, a car backfired. Is, is 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 that an RPG? Uh, it's more than just a door slammed. Hey, is somebody kicking it in and coming after us? It's it's different. It, this is this is internal. Okay, this isn't a response to an external threat. This is something that they're carrying inside. Uh, notice right here again. Let's go back to Crutchfield. He was the one that started us into this conversation. And you feel like a failure. 
Oh. And it's sometimes hard, hard to see it. Sometimes people say stuff down to me and they, they don't even know they don't have to. I've already heard enough of it from myself. Okay, and now let's layer this again. Here's Washington Booker, the Marine sniper. I killed an NVA lieutenant for five o'clock in the morning when they hit us on 461. And I made the mistake later after we had pushed him back, we had broken off of searching him. And I took his belt and I took his SK and uh, I opened his wallet. And, and there he was, probably someplace in North Vietnam, him and his wife and his kid. searched another body, <laughs> needless to say. Okay, I, th I think you're starting to get the idea here that this is a little bit different than PTSD. Uh, Major General Jim Mukiyama, he is a friend of Crosswinds. He is one of the men uh, that has uh, been responsible for promoting uh, our films and our books up in the Chicago area. He is with Military Outreach USA. They do a tremendous amount of work in that area, helping families of veterans and veterans and do a lot in the area of moral injury. I, I wanna let you hear what he says because one of the reasons he got into this area is because it recalls part of his story. And, and I'm gonna let him share his story here. And then he's actually gonna start as we progress through this episode, giving us some of the solution here and in the next episode, what do you do about moral injury? So there was an incident that occurred in the Mekong Delta when I was a company commander uh, in Vietnam and we had just overrun an enemy position. And we had killed several enemy. And as a matter of fact, literally, I had three bodies of Viet Cong at my feet. And the time a unit is most vulnerable is right after a victory. Now, I was the guy in charge. I was the professional, and I knew that. So I was on my radio talking to my platoon leaders because I was a company commander, and I had two, 200 soldiers I was in charge of. And so I'm talking to my platoon leaders, and I'm uh, kicking rear end and taking names, as we say. And I told my platoon leaders, reorganize your units, take care of your wounded, redistribute your ammunition, look for enemy avenues of approach. Now, while I'm doing all of this, suddenly I stop and I look at the bodies 
at my feet. And I realized that something had happened to me. Something had hardened my heart. Only moments earlier, these were alive human beings. These were people who had families. They had loved ones. They had emotions. They were fighting for something as important to them as I was fighting for it. I was treating them like bumps on a log. And then I remembered Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when he told us to pray for our enemies. So in the middle of all this stuff going on, the so-called fog of battle, I stopped and I said a prayer for the three Viet Cong and their families. And now that I look back on it, I know I was praying for myself as much as I was praying for them. Notice the idea here. Again, it's not just a response to something external. There's something internal that's happening, something that's transpiring inside of us that has to do with kind of our spiritual view, with the moral compass, with how we view the world around us, with even how we view others. Uh, Dr. Rita Brock is an expert in the area of moral injury. Uh, she was featured in our film, Honoring the Code. She's the director of the Soul Repair Center. Uh, let's listen to her for a few moments, and I'm going to refer to her several times. I define moral injury as the impact on a person's sense of meaning and values and their basic moral foundations when they're in situations where they have to violate their core values. That can come from something they did, something they failed to do, or something they witnessed. Now, her words there remind me of what James says at the end of the New Testament. James 4.17 says, to the one who knows to do good and does not do it, it's sin. Now, Dr. Brock brought up the idea there that sometimes moral injury occurs because of something we did something that we should not have done. So uh, many soldiers remember the first time they fired the gun and took a life. Uh, that's something they've done. You erase your entire life, thou shalt not kill, and then you do something that violates your moral conscience. Other times, it's because of something we did not do, something that we omitted. It's a, it's a, it's a good that we felt like we should have done. Like James says, so the one who knows to do good and does not do it, that's sin. Okay, notice this. She says it could be a wrong that was done or a right that was not done. It could be something we witnessed, something we didn't say anything about. Uh, survivor's guilt sometimes plays in here. In fact, I want to read you the definition of what we have for moral injury on page 65. Um, that is in this book. That is the Warrior Hope book. This is a lengthy definition, but I think it'll be worth it. Moral injury. This is her saying it. Dr. Rita Brock, it results when soldiers violate their core moral beliefs, page 65 of the Warrior Hope book. And in, in evaluating their behavior negatively, they feel they no longer live in a reliable, meaningful world and can no longer be regarded as decent human beings. They may feel this, even if what they did was warranted and unavoidable. The consequences of violating one's conscience, even if the act was unavoidable or seemed right at the time, can be devastating. Responses include overwhelming depression, guilt, and self-medication through alcohol or drugs. Moral injury can lead veterans to feelings of worthlessness, remorse, and despair. They may feel as if they lost their souls in combat and are no longer who they were. 
Connecting emotionally to others becomes impossible for those trapped inside the walls of such feelings. When the consequences become overwhelming, the only relief may seem to be to leave this life behind. Uh, now, right there, you know, they have these statistics that say 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Uh, that's the ones that we know about. That doesn't include uh, people who overdose or who may mask it in some other way, causing an accident uh, or, or something that just seems it, it's chalked off to natural consequences. Uh, my, my opinion, uh, the opinion of the Crosswind Steps, this is just ours having written several books, having studied it, having uh, produced at this point three documentaries, uh, not as licensed psychologists or psychiatrists. Okay, so that, that, that aside, with all, all that... Now, our opinion is that the majority of people who commit suicide, uh, it is a result not of post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, You can fight or flight that. That is an external response. It's moral injury. It is this despair, this guilt, this shame, this overwhelm that you can't quite get away from because you no longer value your life is worth continuing. You're not trying to run away from something that's a threat outside the threat is inside of you. And again, you know that phrase, wherever you go, there you are. Uh, let me allow you to hear Chaplain Don Mallon. Some, some of you may recognize Don Mallon uh, is in our documentaries as well. And he was, if you go way back to episode number one of season three, uh, and he's been featured in season one and in season two as well. Uh, Don is the one that had that conversation with our founder and executive director, Bob Waldrop, that led to that first documentary on PTSD, Invisible Scars. Now, notice what Don Mallon says. You're raised a certain way, and you have certain values, certain concepts that you grow up to learn and understand what is right and wrong. Now, you grow up, and then you join the military, all right? Okay, I want to also refer you to Colonel John Reitzel. Uh, John Reitzel was featured in the documentary Honoring the Code. I will introduce you to him. Uh, I got some notes here. I think I'm going to bring him back up at the end of this series. We're going to be talking about identifying your next mission, and I think I'm going to bring him up there from some of his clips from the Songs of Hope. Notice what he says about the first kill. The first time I actually had a human being in a peep site, I blinked. And I thought to myself, every day of my life I've been taught that thou shalt not kill. And I'm about to end this guy's life. And I pulled the trigger. And I can tell you this, it gets easier and easier as you do it more and more. And the, the more you do it and the easier it gets, the worse you feel. Now, uh, just a clarification there. I would encourage you, if you are not a veteran, do not ask a veteran uh, about the first kill. Do not ask them how many people they killed. If they they want to tell you, uh, which most of them don't, they, they will bring that up um, themselves. Now, I did ask Don Mallon because he was a chaplain that was deployed. He was there on the front lines. I, I did ask him what, what do you say to people uh, when they're asking about, and these are veterans, killing? How do you how do you defend that biblically and scripturally and morally? Now, here's 
here's what he told me. These are great answers. And he and I had an incredible conversation about this. Notice what he says. Mm, good question. First of all, bring out the, bring out the fact that uh, biblically, in Exodus, where it says you shall not murder, it doesn't say you shall not kill, but you shall not murder. Uh, and the murder that they're talking about is more like somebody uh, who's angry, who hates someone, who's waiting, and who takes someone's life. We see not long after that in Exodus 20, we see that uh, that there is a uh, that there is uh, killing as a result of breaking certain laws, uh, that, there, that there are soldiers in the, in the Old Testament that Israel had military and they took lives. So they were doing, you know, they were doing their job. They were doing what was right. So a lot of it is, is misunderstanding the, you know, the sixth commandment that says that you shall not murder. It's not you, it's not you, you shall not kill, but you shall not murder. Okay. Also, uh, in Ecclesiastes, it said that there's a time to kill. Uh, you know, Bible also talks about that we're to defend those that are weak. So, uh, you know, we can bring we can bring that uh, up, and also in Romans 13 talks about the government talks about that the government is there to to encourage the good, but also to do uh, to uh, do what needs to be done for the evil to protect the people. So, uh, in the big picture, uh, killing is allowed within certain frameworks. Uh, you know, the government, police, uh, yeah. things like this. So they are, you know, so they are authorized. Um, so being able to help them see that, making and, that distinction between murder which mm -hmm. would be, you know, in pastoral language, sin, wrong, right. crime, punishable, um, killing, which would be taking a life, but there, there might be on the killing side, justification, uh, war would be one of them, one, one, one of, of those justifications. And, that, and, and, you know, as you mentioned a little earlier, when you're out there and, and someone is shooting, you have to worry about not only yourself, but also your own buddies. So uh, you need to be able to, you, you need to be able to fight in order to protect them too. And, and they do the same to protect you. How, however you slice it though, the truth is, even if you can rationalize things that you've done, there is this bigger idea that you are body, soul, and spirit. And that spiritual part of you, and sometimes the mind and what you can rationalize there in the soul, I think your mind is part of the soul. You know, some sometimes, no matter what you can rationalize in your soul, your spirit has this disruption with. And so you still got to figure out a way to move forward. Uh, let me show you another clip from, this is Major General Robert Dees. Now, uh, we referred to him back, I think it was in episode four, we talked about the tank incident on the Imjin River in Korea, uh, where it fell off the bridge, went 75 feet in the water, and some of the warriors drowned. Uh, and it was it was in a non-combat event. Uh, he says this, the reality sometimes bad things do occur. And no, notice, notice how he terms this. 
moral injury is not necessarily the result of immoral actions on the battlefield. Uh, the reality is that good people often have bad outcomes. Good people who make good decisions, who make right moral decisions, sometimes uh, experience devastating consequences. When all of this happens and we're getting bad outcomes, uh, when we do it, when it happens, other people do it, whatever, it causes us to question reality. Uh, notice Warrior here um, from, he was noted, he, he was there called in to help at the Black Hawk Down incident. Uh, notice what veteran JT Cooper says. And I got mad at God, I got angry, and I said, If you don't help me find something bigger than me to live for, we'll come see you. Now, I don't know what he was going to do here. If you went up to see God and talk with him through it, you'd have to see the full film to go through that. Uh, Dr. Veaton, we have referred to her previously in this season. Um, let's pull her in because I think she adds an element to the conversation, and then we're going to start talking about how moral injury and PTSD can differ. When a person is traumatized, um, when events occur, whether they be in a war zone or operations other than war, that begin this process of, of suffering that some people call post-traumatic stress, some people call it the moral injury, I think what happens is that they're, they are unable to accommodate um, this change in their worldview. And it begins this process of suffering. And, and everyone who has suffered knows that there are aspects of suffering that are physical, and there are aspects of it that are anguish, that are um, that are mental. So here, I want to invite you to listen to, this is Jean Roberson. She has a master's of social work. She is a licensed clinical social worker. Um, this is from our film, Honoring the Code. And she is local here at Birmingham, Sanford University at the time of this recording. Notice what she says. I think there can be a tendency to misunderstand the connection between moral injury and PTSD, often seeing them as the same thing, which they're not. There are a number of connecting points, but they're not the same thing. Now, now this is really revelatory about the moral injury conversation. In a previous episode uh, before, let me look through my notes, we were discussing the idea of PTSD. That was in episode number two. And I think Shannon Paulson had told us, hey, you know, PTSD has been around. We, we can find documentation since 1900 BC. In fact, I read you from the Civil War era, read you from World War II, read you from World War I, I read you from the book of Nehemiah, and how we could have interchanged any of those uh, conversations for any time period. If we just changed the machinery of war, it was basically descriptive of the same thing. We, we've given PTSD different names, um, but I, I want you to notice this. Although having a severed soul or a broken moral compass or feeling guilt and shame is not new, we have recognized PTSD for centuries. We have not recognized moral injury for centuries. In fact, it's not even two decades old. Um, Dr. Rita Brock takes this back and dates it at 2009. Here's Dr. Rita Brock. Only since the end of 2009 that there's been an attempt to, to pull PTSD and moral injury apart and distinguish them because they overlap so intensely a lot of the time. General 
Mukiyama, he elaborates more on moral injury. Listen to this. Post-traumatic stress disorder is caused by an external event over which the person has no, no control. Moral injury, on the other hand, is an internalized situation. Then very quickly, uh, making sure we keep all these names straight for those of you who are not watching, but you're listening. If you're watching, you can see the names pop on the screen, but if you're listening, um, this is Mrs. Roberson here again, licensed clinical social worker, masters of social work. Moral injury is when you are a part of some kind of act or event that so violates your moral code that results in deep sense of shame, guilt, and questioning of oneself, one's belief systems, and what you have always known to be right and good in the world. Then I want to bring Moesha Thomas. She's a retired Navy Petty Officer. Uh, she's going to elaborate here on moral injury in that uh, as in PTSD, you're you're trying to get rid of just these responses to external things in the moment because of things that have happened in the past. You you, you kind of get triggered. But right here, she's saying, hey, we can't go back and redo the past. So, so there's a moral element about something that happened. No, notice this. Moral injury hurts the most is because we feel like we've done something wrong. And we don't know how to change that because we can't change the past. Okay, so it's, it's not as simple as just uh, getting away from or fighting against the response. Um, it's, it's not like you have a fear of the future. It, it's more about this guilt, the shame, the something that you're carrying on. That's what we're getting into with moral injury. Uh, here's Dr. Veaton again. We want to ask questions like, um, should we have been there? Um, was it okay that those children got killed? Um, what about those women who were being treated so badly in that culture? Um, was my leadership um, good? Um, were they, you know, you know, did they make mistakes? Did America make mistakes? You know, they want to ask these existential questions and these questions that are very difficult. I want to bring up Micah Taylor. She is a therapist and she's going to give you just some raw feedback about what she's experienced here. Um, but she does say the DSM, Diagnostic Statistical Manual, uh, we're on version number five right now. They, they keep saying there's a new one coming out, but I, I haven't seen it or heard when there's going to be a date. It seems like we've heard that for a couple years. Now, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual is the criteria that uh, professionals use to diagnose, treat, or prescribe. So psychologists, psychiatrists would refer to that. Um, she says as a therapist here, um, you know, it's it's hard because moral injury doesn't show up in the current diagnostic statistical manual. So you can't actually get a certifiable diagnosis for it. I, I do know that the VA is starting to address it. Uh, and that's a positive move, but, but notice what she says, because it does bridge the gap when you don't have PTSD or you do, and there's still this something else, uh, it, it may very well be this. Notice how she says it. I think partially because the, the DSM-5 doesn't acknowledge moral injury as an actual diagnosis, um, it, it really impedes the ability to use it as a therapist. In my opinion, it bridges 
the gap. It gives us the terminology and the words that we need to provide to someone because not everyone fits with the PTSD diagnosis. Not all of us have that traumatic injury, um, an event that we can pinpoint. I have been diagnosed with PTSD, but as I read about moral injury and see it in writing, I relate to it more so than PTSD. Have I had traumatic events and stressors? Absolutely. Have I been morally injured by the things that I have seen, witnessed, and ultimately been a part of? You know, whether I could help, couldn't help, intervene, not intervene. Uh, it really hits home. And at this point, what I want to do is I want to start landing the plane here uh, on this episode. Uh, General Mukiyama, he's, he's going to help talk about what we do here about it. I feel that they have done such bad things that they cannot be forgiven for it. That if people knew what they did, uh, they'd be totally rejected, that nobody can love them, and in fact that God doesn't love them. Then let's hear from our founder and executive director. This is Bob Waldrop. He, he kind of turns this in a powerful way to where if you're dealing with moral injury, uh, notice how would you respond to someone else that's dealing with it? And let's now apply that to yourself. Uh, some veterans carry this to the point that they can never forgive themselves. They don't feel like anyone else can forgive them if they were ever to hear the story. Some think that even God can't forgive them. That's a tremendous weight to carry. I simply ask veterans who are experiencing this a simple question. If one of your battle buddies shared with you the exact same experience and said he had that, and said, could you forgive me, would you? In every instance, the veteran responds, of course I would forgive him. He's my brother. And then let's go back to General Mukiyama here. The main approach for moral injury is not a medical doctor with drug but rather it's the forgiveness and grace of a moral authority, a loving God, the counseling of clergy and sensitive therapists, and the fellowship of a spiritual community offering hope and help and wrapping their arms around veterans and helping them. What I want to do as we close out is I want to mention some of the tools that are available. Now, about moral injury. Um, in both of the books that we have here that are designed for group study, there is a family book that I'm going to bring on screen here uh, in a future episode. Uh, in this book, Warrior Hope, we do have chapters, plural, that deal with moral injury. And then in this book, Disentangled, this is the newest book. Uh, Warrior Hope is a 10-week study. This is a six-week Bible study. Disentangled is a six-week Bible study. We deal with moral injury there. Those are both studies that will help take you on a deeper dive. If you want to look at it just through kind of a secular lens, uh, Warrior Hope is the way to do that. Again, we're faith-based. Everything we do is going to be faith-driven. Uh, Disentangled is specifically a Bible study uh, that will walk you through PTSD and moral injury both. And so that would be the way to go if you want to prefer a Bible study. Also, there is a link in the show notes to the films Invisible Scars. That's about PTSD and honoring the code, which deals specifically with the topic of moral injury. I want to close out with this. I want to roll the footage from Honoring the Code's trailer. This is the official trailer. Uh, maybe that will 
uh, get you to think, okay, all right, let me let me take a deeper dive and watch the film. In the next episode, we're gonna talk even more about this idea of moral injury. I feel like we've basically introduced it here, but there's more that I wanna discuss, and I wanna show you some different layers of it. Uh, that will be in episode nine. Okay, I'm gonna close out. Andy Jenkins here. Thank you for joining me on episode number eight of the Warrior Hope Podcast by Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture. Right now, I'm going to roll you into and end with the trailer for Honoring the Code. The links to that film where you can stream it absolutely free are down below in the show notes. I've been told I got PTSD, but I don't. I have moral injury. The moral injury questions come up and they start to feel even worse. And they don't know why, because they've been treated for PTSD or they've been, you know, they, they feel like they should be okay and they're not. Every day of my life, I've been taught that thou shalt not kill. I am a guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier. That something had happened to me. Something had hardened my heart. I was treating them like bumps on a log. And what I was really asking was, what's my family going to think? What's my wife going to think? What are my kids going to think about what I'm doing? And I got mad at God. I got angry. And I st If you don't help me find something bigger than me to live for, we'll come see you. They're under the water. We can't get them. We think there's nine people and they're drowning. But yet, two human beings thought enough of me to put their life at risk to save me. Life is precious. And there's nothing that you have done will change that. All kind of physical, mental pain you want to do something, but you're all jumbled up inside. You can't get it out. You're numb. I would say probably the largest effect was on my family. I realized there was something more was going on in me than just inside my head. The best and easiest way out was just to kill myself. That's the best way. And I saw that profoundly in the lives of these other veterans who, through forgiveness, in Christ were able to loosen their grip on all these toxic emotions and gain newfound freedom. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. God has forgiven you. And that was the turning point. He never wanted to kill himself again. You've already fought one battle and you're fighting another. You won one already, so win this one too. Find a web and get in it. I don't want to lose you.